0: Welcome to episode 185 of Live Happy Now. This is your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us once again. This week, we're hacking our way to happiness with journalist and author Alex Palmer. Alex is a New York Times bestselling author who has a penchant for finding obscure facts. In his book, Happiness Hacks, he compiled an impressive number of science-based facts on what it takes to make us happy. Live Happy's own Chris Libby sat down with Alex to find out more.
1: So thank you again for joining us Alex and in your previous work you focus a lot on fascinating facts and maybe some some of the bizarre or curious things in our lives but this time you decided with your latest book to focus on happiness what was the inspiration for you to write happiness hacks
2: Yeah I mean obviously it's a something that is of concern for everybody something we're very familiar with and there's been so much information out there you see shelves after shelves at the bookstore or the library or on you know television all these suggestions of different ways to improve your happiness so something that was just out there that obviously is of, of top concern for for everybody but I thought similar to, to other books I've written a lot of there's also a lot of misinformation or a lot of info that kind of gets. A game of telephone where you'll, it'll be something that's substantive and and fact that then kind of gets morphed, especially through all the online websites and things like that can kind of end up getting inaccurate or sort of loses its basis in fact. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of dig into the topic of happiness, find out what, what are these actual scientifically proven ways to improve happiness, whether it's just little small incremental ways or really major transformational ways. But the top interest in writing it was let's find what the actual uh, scientific basis is of these self-help suggestions or uh, tips and both large and small, find ones that really have a, a basis in, in science.
1: And I'm glad you brought up the, the scientific part approach to this because all of the tips are based on research drawing on different fields from psychology, biology, even interior design. Why was it important for you to keep the focus on this science?
2: Yeah, it's for me. I I love a good you know how to piece. I'll I'll be the one to click if I see you know how to improve your your happiness today, and I'll I'll click on that story every time. But. <laughs> I enjoy it a lot more. I get you get a lot more out of it when there's actually something supporting it, when it's a, a researcher that's actually done the the, the study to, to look into this, has actually tested this theory, not just someone who says, you know, this helped me, I felt a little better after I tried this. And I, I respond to it when there's something really you can really sink your teeth into. And I, I think that's the case for a lot of people. It's nice to have uh, you know, good slogan or, or something that makes you kind of feel good, uh, you know, maybe an aphorism that makes sense. And, and But to actually be able to say, here's something that really is, it's really being supported was was something that was important to me. So if you look at the book, it's really every single, as you said, every single item in it is supported by the science. But that being said, at the same time, and this is the case with other books that I've done, it's, it's meant to be for the, the average reader. This is not meant to be some deep scientific read. It's really meant to be fun and accessible. The design of the book is one that you can kind of just pop it open any page and you'll find some little fact that you can run with and maybe incorporate into your day or just to, you know, while you're, you just have five minutes, you can just pop it open and find something in there. So it's meant to be both kind of a light read, but one that has real substance behind it.
1: That's great, I mean, that's what I like about it is like you said, you can just pop it open and and flip through different parts now you organized it into different areas of our lives, our lives like relationships or work or or play. Was that on purpose?
2: Yeah, I thought it would be especially as you start delving into the science, and there is so much out there and, and it just seems to grow year over year. There's a, a lot of people want answers about happiness and how to improve it. So organizing it by these different sectors in your life, I, I thought that it would make it more engaging from a reader's perspective too because people will be looking for different aspects of their life they're trying to bring more happiness into. Maybe they have a great relationship, that's going great, but their job is really frustrating them. So they can kind of focus on that chapter, and maybe find some tips that'll get them to rethink some things about work. Maybe just make some slight improvements, or maybe just get a whole new job, and uh, that may be the case. Maybe it's with their their yeah their friend group or something. They feel like there's some things that they can improve there. So uh, it's meant as kind of a, in some ways, sort of a manual, or, or at least uh, you know a, a thing that you can pick up and really take some actionable tips out of. So by organizing it into these different parts of your life, I think that helps to do that even more so where it just gets it that much easier and to find the stuff that's relevant to you as as uh, the reader, just picking it up.
1: Yeah, that is true. I mean, you lay out the science here and it's not too heavy on the science and then you give the reader an action to do or a suggestion, somewhere where they can improve. I'm glad you brought up work because we talk a lot about that here at Live Happy. And that's Mm -hmm. a place where we spend a lot of our lives in the workplace. What are some things employees and employers can do to create a happier workplace?
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I thought was interesting, because part of the for the research for the book as well was I actually reached out directly to a lot of these researchers and just asked them for what their findings were. And one that that stood out to me was uh, Professor Alan McConnell at, at Miami University, who he just phrased I believe as "cut down on your roles." If you if you have you're multitasking at work, you just have a, a maybe you're have several different bosses you're reporting to. There, there's a he found a real consistent, it actually would end up hurting your work performance or hurt your just satisfaction at work when you had these kind of multiple self-identities. So I think that's a good one, sort of big picture. And then another one was know who you're working for. So think through what it is that your job does. And those those who do, who can directly point to, say, I you know, even if you're working in a job that seems like it's not directly helping, the, you know, you're not going out and, and seeing the person that you're assisting face to face. If you can really identify who it is at the end of the workday who's benefiting from what you're doing, that makes a big benefit to your own well-being. And those are kind of big picture ones, but it can get down to some of the other findings in the book or just little things like having a plant at your desk has been found to improve your productivity or taking breaks at, at very, specific intervals. There's a couple different tests that have, have looked at what the sort of ideal ratio of break to work is, and it, it can vary, but a couple sort of more uh, uh, reputable ones was that uh, sort of the five, 25 minutes on and then five minutes off, or 52 minutes on and 17 minutes off, and those proportions were found to have the, the, the greatest impact on your productivity. So that's a handful of ones. And, and it is really kind of a, it can vary between sort of big picture stuff and just little simple things that you could do, you know, today and, and
1: see a big change. Uh, what about relationships and our connection to people? Why is that so important? What have you found when you were researching this book about positive relationships?
2: The book draws on a lot of the the sort of the, the giants of happiness research and positive psychology. So the the Gottmans are, are, who have done a ton of research on this, I definitely draw on them and try to take their ideas and and really distill it and make it simple. But something, one of their kind of classic, the, the, the research from John Gottman was that this ratio and relationship of five to one, this idea of five positive comments or actions with the person you're in a relationship with for every one negative one, that those people that maintained that level of positive to negative interactions were the ones who had longer lasting marriages and whose relationships were just built to last. And I thought that was really interesting, that idea of of giving. And that comes up a lot, not just in the context of romantic relationships, but friendships and even just activities and, and your own well-being, that the more you give, the more you focus on trying to make others happy or bring value to other people, the more it comes back to you. So happy happy people tend to try to make other people happy. And that came up sort of in in almost every sector. And so if you flip through the book, you'll find kind of those themes pop up. It's you know, either you know, when it talks about your sort of the leisure chapter about what to do, you know, fun activities that kind of raise your happiness or ways to sort of spend your free time that, that improves your well-being, doing charitable work or volunteer work, it consistently is found to be one of the best ways to boost your own well-being and your your, your sense of satisfaction, even if it's just for a couple hours a, a month or so. So that was one of the themes that kept coming up as far as relationships that the more you give, the the more you get back.
1: Excellent. Let's focus on the other place where we spend a lot of time and that's home. (laughs) What are some things that we can do at home to make our living spaces
2: a little more happier or make us happier in our homes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, another one of the the kind of consistent themes that kept coming up as I was doing this research is the the power of nature to make us happy. And I'd mentioned that having a, plant on your desk at work can kind of improve your well-being and, and similar things came up when looking at ways to design your home or the sort of elements to bring into your home to raise your sense of happiness. So things like having flowers or having plants in in your house are found to improve your well-being having a view to a park being just spending some time looking out the window ideally if you have maybe some uh you know some greenery out there helps and even if you don't there's actually studies that found just having photos of plant life or some kind of nature scenes in your home those who have them or have those sort of uh, art or or surrounded by those kind of that kind of imagery are actually in a better headspace and generally happier than those who don't so it, it really it, it can really scale and uh, you know all the way to you just go and spend a couple days in nature and and that uh, has been found to have a really positive impact on all these factors both mental and and physical so that's a biggie for sure when you're talking about your your home and then little things like uh, pet owners are actually found to to have greater self-esteem it's something about maybe that that positive uh, attention that you get from pets, even if cats sometimes can be a little finicky, but they actually, researchers found that regardless of what the pet is, those who own them tend to have more of a sense of self-esteem. And then, so there's kind of those sort of little elements, kind of simple things you can do, but then all the way to the actual design of a space where uh, these researchers found that higher ceilings actually create a a greater sense of freedom and, and sharper memory, or curved surfaces were found to be more pleasing than sharp ones. So obviously that's not something you can just change overnight in your place, but maybe if you're looking for a new apartment to, to move into, or you're doing some redesign at your house, those are the kind of things you might take into account when making those decisions. Now, you have
1: a chapter dedicated to a topic that we really like to uh, focus on, and I think is fascinating, and that's when happiness is not such a good thing. Mm. Why is it important for us to embrace all of our emotions, anger, sadness, rather than just focusing on the positive ones?
2: Yeah, that was something that, I was surprised by the richness of the, the findings and the depth of the research around that topic, that having that kind of emotional balance, I, I think is a term, is really advantageous to a healthy person. And part of it is that you just need to, by denying certain emotions and trying. If if you're trying to just be happy all the time, it actually will only build those up is the, the, the familiar idea of, you know, burying you, these negative emotions, it's going to eventually have to come out. So just from that, that sort of relieving the pressure valve and being open and honest with yourself, that's an important component, but it also found that, that that pursuit of happiness and to the exclusion of maybe other, other more nuanced emotions or ones that are, are might seem sort of negative that, that that can actually, End up leaving you feeling more sad. That they've actually done studies that found that subjects who the more they value, the more value that they place on happiness, the lower their well-being and life satisfaction compared to those who maybe aren't thinking about it all the time, aren't putting like so much of their time dedicated to pursuing it. And then it there's there's a whole wealth of other studies that the chapter looks at too of kind of some of the, the negative sides that you could find with people who are happier might also be the bigger risk takers which can be a good thing in a lot of cases but also it can lead to if you take it risk it can cause some problems or uh, more interesting ones like they're they're apparently uh, happier people that have been found to be worse at spotting liars so if you're they, they've done these tests where they're Someone is being dishonest someone's being honest and and it's happier people were less likely to be able to discern which was which, and they 've also found to be worse negotiators they, maybe it 's that that optimism and that upbeat attitude makes them less capable of being able to identify an opportunity or to you know better win out in a negotiation so It was fun to kind of delve into those aspects of happiness, kind of the downside of happiness to really say that as much value as we put on happiness as as individuals, as a society, it's important to maintain a sense of balance and to remember that this is one aspect of of a healthy emotional life, but it's not the end all be all about what actually makes for a fulfilling life. So while you
1: were researching this book, what were you most surprised about to find out about happiness?
2: It's hard to say like, one specific thing, but I guess the fact that it doesn't take much to be happy—that it's really often the simplest answers were the ones that had the most impact. That things like looking at happiness at work—that it wasn't about making a lot of money or, or having, you know, that there that you could just keep getting by. By the more you succeeded, the more you, the more happiness came. It was more about your own. Sense of expectations that so much of this was just what your your own values and it's a lot of self imposed. It's that so much of it is just your own frame of mind and and the higher the expectations, the more likely you are to feel less happy. So sort of having more the the, sort of the the sense of moderation and balance was such a consistent finding that I thought that was that was kind of one of the big takeaways I thought was most interesting. But something just kind of a funny little one that I that I've put into practice since since researching things like how anticipation is a much more happiness inducing emotion than the actual doing something particularly this is around vacation so you think I think we've probably all been there where you've got you go on vacation for a week you're thinking oh this is great I'm gonna be out of work this is I'm gonna really enjoy it and maybe you do while you're there but as soon as you come back that Enjoyment kind of goes away, and that was it. Was found that actually you get more happiness from thinking about the vacation that's coming up than the actual going on vacation. And as soon as you come back, consistently, the subjects that they studied, their level of happiness goes right back to where it was. So it made me appreciate the fact that it's. It's sometimes just about the framing of something where you plan your vacations earlier so you can have that extra time to look forward to it, because that's really where a lot of the happiness comes from. It's not necessarily in the actual doing of something, but of the thinking about it coming up. So that was that's something I thought was really interesting. And uh, yes, yeah, so I think those were a couple things that sort of stood out.
1: That's great. It really is full of a lot of great information, you know. Being here at Live Happy, we've studied this a lot or we read about this a lot and write about this, but there are some a lot of great things that I had not even seen before, like people who read newspapers are happier than people who don't, and we yeah. like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Print is not dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the fact that pets, doesn't matter what your pet is, so I can convince my wife to get to let me get that iguana. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any pet at all. Well, thank you for taking the time today. I know you're really busy, but this has been great. And I think our listeners will get a lot out of it. It's, the book is called Happiness Hacks, and it's out now at bookstores everywhere.
0: That was author Alex Palmer talking to us about his book, Happiness Hacks. You can find out more about his book and more about Alex when you visit our website at livehappynow.com. And if you like what you've heard here today and you want to hear more, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast. search for Live Happy Now and subscribe today so you'll never miss an episode. And you can also find us on the all-new Pandora Podcast Genome Project. That is all we have time for today, so please join us back here again next week. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.